The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Think about it. You know, you get those phone calls, those those scam phone calls, although the ones from overseas, at least I haven't been getting as many as I was late last year. It was off the charts. So far this year, not so bad. But, um, you know, have you received those phone calls? Has, has anyone tried to scam you recently? Have you fallen victim to it? Or do you know someone who has? Well, if so, you're not alone. According to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, as of the end of last month, so just 18 days ago, there has already been more than 11,000 Canadian reports of fraud and more than $34.6 million has been lost to fraud just this year in the first two months. Last year in total, Canadians lost more than $107 million to fraud. $62 million of that was from fraud online. But here's here's the gut check on this one. It's, it's believed only about 5% of fraud cases are actually ever reported. So, you know, think about how big that number actually is, potentially. Now, March is Fraud Awareness Month, as I mentioned, and this year the Competition Bureau has joined forces with the RCMP, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, to, to fight against online fraud in Canada, which has seen a dramatic increase since the start of the health crisis. Our next guest sees the impact of fraud and scams every day. She's a forensic accountant. Lisa Majot-Gordon is the national lead partner responsible for MNP's forensic and litigation support services practice. Lisa Lisa, welcome to 6:30, Chad. Thank you, Jaylen. It is lovely nice to, to be have here. You here. You know what? This this is another topic that so many people can relate to. So many people um, have gone through it. Lisa, first off, what what's a forensic accountant? What do you do? <laughs> Forensic accounting is the intersection of investigation and accounting and finance expertise. So my job as a forensic accountant is to locate and establish the evidence of allegations, determine the sequence of events, and to confirm or refute allegations of financial fraud or wrongdoing. So would you mainly work, let's say, on on big projects with businesses, that sort of thing? Or do you you work with individuals as well and individual uh, cases? It's both. And in fact, it it is across the spectrum. So often, yes, we will work on very large corporate frauds. um, But also, I often work with families on estate frauds, um, powers of attorney that have gone awry, um, individual people who have been defrauded. So it's important to recognize and remember that fraud is perpetrated by a person in a position of trust. So these can be people posing as government officials or charity representatives. It could be your trusted business advisor, your accountant. Unfortunately, that does happen. Family members or valued employees. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no end to that list uh, for sure. Lisa, now I mentioned that, that March is Fraud uh, Prevention Month. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're seeing when it comes to, uh, and I hate to use the word trends, but, you know, oftentimes there are trends when it comes to the different scams, that sort of thing that, that are out there. They kind of ebb and flow. What are you seeing right now? 
Well, scams against individuals mm-hmm. are really taking advantage of the general confusion around COVID programs and services and the fact that especially seniors are often quite lonely and vulnerable in the last year. So there are a lot of folks out there posing as government representatives to help you apply for benefits when really they want all of your financial information so they're able to defraud you or to set up accounts in your name or credit cards. There's companies offering herbal versions of the vaccines or faster vaccines or there's people posing as the Red Cross looking for donations for COVID relief or finally and quite often there are a lot of people who are posing as healthcare workers going door to door requesting personal information and financial information. So for, on, on individuals it's really ramped up and same thing with businesses because as you probably are aware chaos breeds chaos. There's a lot of businesses that have had people who um, they've had to cut their employees so they're working with a skeleton crew or they've got folks that are off on sick leave and they're and they're trying to to deal with uh, people working remotely it causes a big challenge for businesses who are trying to maintain their internal controls so uh, there's a couple of things there uh, that I want to that I want to touch on the, the business side of it, but also the individual side. And you mentioned uh, the seniors uh, side of it. And I know, uh, you know, my mom-in-law before she she passed away, she received a, a few of those phone calls, and in 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 one case had had fallen for it. It was a it was a credit card thing, and somehow she gave up a, a credit card number. And it wasn't until she hung up the phone, I think, that she remembered the conversation that we had. As don't ever give that number out. You know, hang up on them, that sort of thing. But she realized right afterwards, called us, we got it taken care of. You know, what kind of conversations do we need to be having? I mean, we're having a conversation on the radio right now, but it seems that, you know, obviously it's still happening. What was that number that I just mentioned? The first two months of this year so much, $36, $35 million has been lost to fraud just in the first two months of this year alone. So what, what isn't getting through? Or is it just these fraudsters are so good at what they do? What conversations do we need to be having? That's a very good point. I think particularly with the seniors in our lives, we need to talk to them about just because someone phones you doesn't mean that you need to give them information. I think that's very important, and it seems to be a generational issue more than anything. Um, Our our young people are very accustomed to all of the technology, um, and and our our seniors aren't. Um, and, And often they will be coerced into a conversation on the phone that they weren't expecting to have, and then will yeah. become more comfortable. These these fraudsters are social engineers. They know how to talk their way into your home via your telephone, your your email, or even your front door. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're often pretty good at, at what they do. So make sure that you're continuing to have those conversa- conversations, uh, and, and it's important to do so because boy oh boy, a lot of money can be lost, and a lot of you know there can be a lot of heartbreak there as as well. So you talked about um, estate matters, and I'm I'm interested in in this because I I guess I really hadn't thought about it. Just thinking that okay, it's an estate matter, and off it goes, tickety boo. It's all written out in a will or whatever it is and apparently that's not the case sometimes that's true i've seen a real upswing in frauds perpetrated 
in an immediate family. It's very unfortunate and it's tragic because family members don't really ever get past it. But lately, there are a lot of folks who maybe have reduced capacity, maybe have been isolated in nursing homes, and they have someone else in in their family, typically, who is responsible for their financial circumstances, perhaps has power of attorney, perhaps has signing authority. And in this day and age where the economy is what it is. There are a lot of people who are taking advantage of that access and in very unfortunate ways. Um, cycling back to something that uh, you had mentioned earlier about, especially small businesses, what do small businesses right now need to be uh, to, to be aware of? Do you, you know, what recommendations would you have for those who are, you know, struggling to to deal with the fallout from from the pandemic? You know, trying to struggle to keep going, uh, as you mentioned, maybe not as many as employees before. What do they need to to keep in mind? Well, I have two key recommendations. The first of which would would be reduce your online banking access to only those people who critically need to have it. That would be the first one. We see a lot of of frauds that are perpetrated within businesses that are that are happen so easily they just transfer money from account to account or or pay their own personal visa as opposed to the corporate visa that sort of thing. And in addition to that Segregate the duties amongst your team members so one person does not have control of both banking and accounting. (laughs) For a fraud to occur, there has to be both a benefit to the fraudster and an element of deception. If someone can control the banking and the accounting, the element of deception is definitely available to them. If people want to find out more information, what are some of the the good places to go to? I was going to recommend the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre has a lot of information, the RCMP. Are those on your list, and do you have any other recommendations? Yes, absolutely. MNP.ca. We have a Fraud Awareness Month uh, campaign and a lot of terrific resources written by our whole team to help uh, individuals and businesses combat fraud. And the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, which is an international organization. They have great resources on their website. All right. Lisa Majot-Gordon joining us this afternoon. Lots of great information there. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, take care. That's uh, Lisa, again, Lisa Majot-Gordon, who is the national lead partner responsible for MNP's forensic and litigation support services practice. So um, we had touched on the fact that the, the health uh, crisis has really uh, had an impact on the number of fraud cases. Check out these numbers. Um, they say that um, from March 5th of last year to the end of last month, that seven point that Canadians have lost $7.2 million dollars to COVID-related fraud. You heard Lisa mention what some of those are. That There had been um, about 13,500 cases of COVID fraud reported um, and uh, just about 12,000 victims. But look at those numbers. Isn't that something else? So According to uh, the Government of Canada and according to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, last year... So January to January, the top 10 most reported scams and frauds were extortion, identity fraud, personal information scams, right? You know, trying to get, uh, you know, password stuff, trying to get, you know, your mother's maiden name, that sort of stuff to get more info. Uh, Phishing, 
schemes, uh, merchandise scams, and we heard about that um, or just a, about a month or two ago about uh, a local fellow accused of, of scamming folks with sports merchandise. You'll remember that. Uh, something they call his vendor as the victim, job scams, job scams, service scams, spear phishing, which has nothing to do with actual spear phishing, and emergency scams. So if you want to find out more about any of these and maybe some specifics, again, go to um, the the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. You find a giant, it's just this giant list in alphabetical order of scams, and if you want to find out more about it. Um, but I think it's, again, I think it's, it's really important that we continue to have these conversations because it's still happening, and you can be as aware as possible, but sometimes they're really good good um i know those phone calls as i mentioned earlier those phone calls from overseas from morocco and from uh, belarus and places like that um in my world on my phone have really really died down over the past couple of months but it was crazy uh about from july to december of last year i just kept blocking all of these numbers and i know i'm not alone with this one